Are y'all going to you know? see anything on Broadway? Yeah. Yas. <laughs> yas. Like what? Oh, I got to stop doing stuff like that because it will end up in the soft opening. <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to Pulling Thread. Hey! Hey! Hey, 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 Megan. Hey, Nate. Missed you guys. How's everyone? I've missed you guys too. It's been, this is the, it's been. It's been a minute. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, glad to be back. But we're here. We're here and we're queer. Oh, wait, sorry. We're here, Cliff's queer. And we want to get married on the ocean. Remember that one? Uh, yeah. I probably won't leave that in. We're here. We're queer. We want to get married on the ocean. I don't, I, Megan, you're saying something that I I've never heard. Yes, you do. Thing? It's from Arrested Development. What? It is? Uh, yeah. The Pirates? The, the, the like pi- is that the pilot episode? They're a little boat. We're here. That's We're funny. Queer. I don't remember the, we want to get married on the ocean. That's funny. When Lindsay's like, I have that yeah. blouse or that top. Okay. Yeah. Side note. That's funny. Uh, okay. Take two. <laughs> that was our Michael maybe, Scott. Maybe we should kiss again just to teach him a lesson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what conversation does not benefit from a uh, Arrested Development yeah. reference? Awesome. No conversation. Exactly. All right, so today we have an interview with Jeff. Um, apologies to Jeff. This was going to come out the week after his sister's episode, but it didn't. Uh, but it's coming out now, and it was a really good yeah. conversation. Uh, I, I enjoyed talking to him. It was cool hearing the other side of the story. So we got Amber's story, and Jeff was a huge you know, mm-hmm. influence on her and a, a huge part of her story. So it was cool hearing the other perspective as well. We hope you like the episode. Let's go there now. So, Nate, tell us about today's guest. Today we have Jeff, and our previous conversation was with Amber, and Amber talked a lot about her brother. This is her brother. This is Jeff. Yay. Welcome, welcome uh, Jeff. Yay! Yeah. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> so, what, Jeff, what, what do we need to know about you? Oh, gosh. Where do I start? Okay. Uh, no. Uh, I'm Amber's brother, so you got that part uh, correct. But, yeah, so big picture, I guess. Um uh, just a 36-year-old uh, Air Force officer living in California. Um, but kind of my the reason why I wanted to come on today and I, and I reached out to you guys was just because of probably what a lot of Amber talked about, which is uh, growing up and coming out as a homosexual or gay. You know, homosexual sounds so scientific, but uh, coming mm-hmm. out gay. And uh, just that whole experience uh, and, uh, and how that was kind of intertwined with uh, my, my faith or religion. Okay, thanks. great. Well, thanks for being yeah, here. Yeah, we're excited. So can yeah. you start off by telling us a little bit about your sweater, your background, anything that sure. kind of made up? Um, yeah, so uh, oddly enough, uh, my so my mom grew up uh, Pentecostal. Uh, she was like a pastor's kid, so a Hispanic uh, family, so very like traditional in that regard. Um but oddly, we didn't really go to church all that often when I was uh, a kid. You know, I don't. You guys have probably heard CEOs Christmas and Easter only 
Christians, and that's kind of what we were. Uh, the big holidays, we'd go, and whenever my mom was feeling, you know, guilty maybe about something, <laughs> we would go a little bit more often. Um, but it, as we, as I became a teenager, uh, Amber started to get involved in our local church that we went to, is Assemblies of God, uh, which I know you've had some previous guests who. Um, were part of that kind of denomination. I think that had a really big impact on kind of my journey, but regardless. Um, so she started going more often, but really the thing that kind of catapulted our family into uh, uh, more regular attendance of church was, um, <laughs> I don't, actually don't even know if Amber knows the story. I think she does, but, um, you know, when I'm going to age myself a little bit, uh, at one point my parents found a floppy disk in my uh, closet that was I thought well hidden and I don't know what they were doing to find it but uh, <laughs> it contained certain images on there that were quite obvious that um, you know that I was as gay or as you know looking at those kind of images um, so they found that and that just kind of just really blew up things did not go well <laughs> when uh, my dad picked me up from school that day which I, I think that was only picked up but he didn't like say a word to me we got home, and um, my mom was upstairs, kind of just very somber, very quiet in the house. And I saw this like notepad on uh, the the office uh, table that had like, you know, like you know, being gay is a sin, you know, all these things oh, about like talking points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and so then I, I mean, I, I kind of wondered at the same time, but then I, it kind of confirmed. Okay, this is about to go down, you know. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, that kind of really, uh, they invited the pastor over and, um, and he had a, a one-on-one -on -one with me and, you know, pretty much telling me like, oh, you're not gay. You know, this is just, uh, not really a phase. I don't think he used the word phase, but you know, he just tried to explain what was happening and, and put it in a different perspective. And so I think that I, I wanted that. I wanted to believe him. So, um, you know, obviously his prescription, if you will, was to start going to church more often. So um, we started going to church, um, and I got involved in the youth group. Um, I think that happened first, but really what catapulted everything was, um, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Pentecostal churches. I know you've, you probably have heard of speaking in tongues, but there's also this kind of, a lot of, a lot of the uh, Pentecostal churches have this more physical aspect in the sense of being slain in the spirit. Have you guys heard of that before? Amber mentioned it a little bit. Okay. And we were yeah. like, tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about it yesterday too, actually, how funny that word is, that the use of that word to describe it. But it's like a laying on of hands. That's where it comes from in the Bible. But for whatever reason, you know, in the Pentecostal circles, um, it causes a person to like faint, if you will, like to fall, okay. fall out. And so that's where the slain comes in. Um, so I, there was an altar call, you know, and I went up and um, had a real physical reaction to this l laying on of hands. And I, I did fall out. And so that, that very physical um, happening really opened my eyes to, I guess, the faith. And it made it very more real. And so it was something that I felt like I couldn't deny at that point. It was like a, it was, it was almost as if God himself had, you know, revealed, revealed himself to me and uh, it just was confirmation. And so from that point on, 
I I just was like it was extreme kind of pushed to the right and I was just like full fledged mm-hmm. uh, Christian. And then I think the thing that helped too was I got and started to get involved with that youth group, and that was kind of the first time that I had like close friends. I was always kind of a loner and a shy kid, you know, as a military brat, so we moved around a lot. So never had like lifelong friends that I was able to keep in touch with and I was never good at making friends. And so when I joined the youth group, you know, here's these people that accepted me and and uh, befriended me fairly easily. And then that kind of physical manifestation that that really just propelled me into this world. And I just took it very serious. And looking back now, obviously, too, you know, the whole the gay thing and, and this kind of partial coming out, if you will, um, really it was my attempt to kind of uh, put that at bay and to change in hopes that I would change, you know, cause I really thought it was bad. You know, I thought I was going to go to hell if I, if I didn't do this thing. And I think to me, it was like, a, it was, that wasn't the reason then I know now looking back that it definitely was a big, big part of that. But um, so yeah, I started to uh, just get really involved uh, this is like right around, I think, my freshman year, right before my freshman year of high school. Is that when they um, found the floppy disk? Yeah, I think I was 14 or okay. so. Yeah. So I think I think I was already a freshman in, in high school. Um, but yeah, uh, I just started to read the Bible a lot more. I was We went to church on Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday and Sunday nights, you know, three times a week. And um, so my sister had been going to this youth group, and that's kind of how I got involved in there. But after that all happened, it became like a, a family affair at that point. Mm-hmm. We all started to get much more involved and um, and going and, and uh, much more often. So, um, yeah, and so then I, you know, going through high school, I, I remember I ended up becoming the president of uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which some of you are probably familiar with. I was and, just thinking um, of FCA the other day for some <laughs> reason. I don't know why it yeah. popped in my head, but. I think what happened, what I remember, like, you know, we kind of nom- self-nominated ourselves for president, and uh, and at that point, I I wanted to be a youth pastor, you know, and so telling people that group this, I think they thought, thought oh, this guy's real serious, you know, so here I was, this kind of shy kid, didn't really know many people, it was actually a new high school, too, so we were all kind of from different areas, all brought into this new high school, and um, I was elected president, and... Uh, I think I, that lasted for maybe a year, and then I kind of ran the effort to change it from FCA. You know, a little bit of my my gayness. You know, you know, I wasn't much of into sports. <laughs> you know, at the time, so I um, that the the athlete part wasn't that important to me. And so I remember I like ran the effort to change it from FCA into like a more generic. Uh, we called it SWAT. It was very embarrassing. Students with a testimony. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, <laughs> um, SWAT. But yeah, it's, just, it's funny how you just even think of the, those terms too. So how uh, you know, okay, how, vi- how violent Christianity can be sometimes. Uh, we definitely yeah. went that route. But uh, but yeah, so I uh, started. I think I did that all f- uh, three years of my last years of high school, and uh, I carried my Bible around with me everywhere. Um, I, you know, every time I sat down at the desk, it was sitting right there with me, and uh, I just became known as this kind of super Christian and and it definitely was an attempt to I thought if people thought I couldn't be both Christian and gay so mm-hmm. if they knew that I was a Christian 
then the whole gay thing just would assume, uh, yeah yeah exactly uh, so you you were it's so <laughs> as you can imagine <laughs> so so much of your story is just sounds very familiar to me right you know? yeah and um you were you were all in um and you kind of just spoke about this the 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 this thought that nobody's going to suspect somebody who is a full-fledged Christian outspoken about it is going to be gay. So, and it's, when, when I think about it, it's, it's finding that balance between, or for me anyway, and, and perhaps you can speak to this, finding that balance b- between what was my true, genuine faith, which I strongly believe that my faith was genuine and, mm-hmm. and true, but also how much of it that I needed to hide behind. And, and I... Yeah. For, for me, the only difference is, though my faith was truly genuine, I needed everybody to know just how genuine it was. And that's the part, <laughs> that's yeah. the wall that I used to hide behind. And the other, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention that, that really rings true and I think happens so much is uh, gay people are human. And just like any other human, and so whether they're closeted or not, just like any other human, they're looking for acceptance. They're looking for a place to oh, belong. Yeah. And oftentimes they find that belonging with groups of people who um, who are Christian, who are evangelical Christian. And um, th- this story happens a lot. You know, oh yeah. They they feel a sense of belonging with a group of people that that teach inherently that a part of their you know created identity is is sinful and but it's worth it because you get the connection you get I I don't know I I'm clumsily saying what I'm trying to say, but so much of your story rings true, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think too I, I recognize too that it was very much transactional in the sense that I realized that I had to be like all in i had to be super serious about it for these people to accept me you know what i mean like they had to know that i took it seriously mm-hmm. and so that was very my ultimate goal was you know to prove to them that i was worthy of their love and acceptance because i think if i half asked it you know it it probably wouldn't have gone over it as well and i would have just been this random kid that showed up every once in a while but once they i think recognize that hey i'm serious about this i'm going to be involved i'm going to make this my top priority they were willing to accept me. And so a little bit of a transaction there, I think and that, that, that was my experience throughout mm-hmm. my Christian life uh, was that it was, you very much had to prove yourself uh, in order to be accepted into this, this group. And I think as soon as you started to show like any doubts, um, I think that it was kind of the overarching fear that you would lose what you, what you gained from those friendships. Before you, before your pastor, had the like intervention or whatever. Yeah. Did you have feelings of guilt and like, like secrecy or was it only after that, that you felt like, Oh, I got to hide this, you know? No, I definitely, uh, recognized that it was wrong, you know, uh, fairly early on. I actually, it's, it's so weird when I, I think I was maybe eight or nine, maybe 10 when I realized, you know, I don't know how much detail. Yeah, whatever you feel stuff. comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's not about comfortability. comfortability. I, I know what it's you're more. saying. <laughs> I know exactly you know, what like, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I just remember looking at certain images and recognizing that I wasn't looking at the women; I was looking at the men, and it, like that dawned on me one time. And I was just, 
it was this very strange realization. Um, but it was funny too, because actually years before that happened, my dad uh, found the computer history. This was before I learned how to, gotcha. to get rid of it. You know what I mean? And he approached me about it and I got very defensive. I like started bawling and I blamed it on a friend pretty much. Uh, I had a couple of close friends who actually turned out to be gay as well. Um, so I think that probably made it even more believable, but before, mm-hmm. you know, this was before they ever came out. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of just blamed it on them. I think he wanted to believe it, so he did. Um, and then it wasn't until they had like the more solid proof. Uh, that, a floppy that, disk. Right, <laughs> <No>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do we need to explain to our younger viewers right, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> what that is? Um, no, but, uh, but yeah. So, I, but I, the whole time, I think I recognized that. I mean, obviously I was keeping it a secret. Right. I, um, and then from when, from that whole computer kind of history point, I, I learned how to get rid of history and cookies and, you know, uh, and all that. So I, I became very much aware. Um, but yeah, then I, you know, after this kind of conversion happened, um, I, I then kind of fell back into my, you know, fell back in, you know, I say that jokingly into my old ways, if you will. And so, you know, I was still struggling. I even hate saying struggling because right. it, it's it, it makes it like it sounds so negative. But at that time, it really was a struggle. You know, I was all this pressure to conform to this heteronormative way of life, and and so uh, it's I like was, a constant so, battle taking place inside. Right. Exactly. Constant, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I recognized that I still had these things, but every time it was like you know I'd repent for it and and hope that things would get better and. You know, I certainly was a, the the gay that was praying, you know, every night to to be straight, you know, and so that was very much a part of my life, um, and yeah, and so that was that's how it all began, at least. Well, and, so. and and I think it speaks volumes that you felt the guilt and shame. I, I'm going to assume that the guilt and shame was not necessarily because you were looking at pornographic issues, though there might be some guilt and shame with that, but just right. what it was that you were looking at. And we didn't, certainly we didn't need to hear the preacher tell us that it was sin to have an understanding that this was not normal, this was not accepted, just in our society. That's how yep. well ingrained the oh, teaching yeah. is that homosexuality is just wrong and evil and abominable. Uh, it's, yep. just, it, it's just there in every aspect of society. Yep. No, uh, certainly. Yeah, so I I took that very serious uh, all throughout high school, and then I went to my freshman year of college. I started dating this girl who's uh, played base or softball with my sister with Amber. Started dating her, and you know it it was a very, for lack of a better word, platonic relationship. <laughs> like we didn't, we never had sex. You know, uh, I think we held hands like towards the end of this relationship. Um, but I think she was drawn to my my Christianity, if you will, like she's, she saw how serious I took that. And, um, they were, uh, they were Pentecostal as well, more, a little bit more traditional Pentecostal though, like the long jean skirt and long hair Pentecostals, Mm. you know, um, uh, Pentecostal holiness actually is what they were. But, um, anyways, so yeah, I, I went to college and still all this time I'm like struggling, uh, again, struggling in quotes with, with, uh, my homosexuality and um, still wanting to be a youth pastor during this time uh, to a degree. I mean, I think though that switched on and off every so often. Obviously, I was going to a, uh, I went to UNC Chapel Hill my first year of college. We were in North Carolina, and uh, 
you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But I think in the back of my head, I always kind of knew, that, oh, you know, youth pastor was, was kind of always my goal. Um, anyways, after we broke up, I end up, I didn't have anyone. Like that was kind of, again, my avenue. You know, I went from the youth group to then my, my girlfriend's family at the time and kind of taking them in as my, uh, my adopted family, if you will. Uh, and that's really all that I knew. And so that was like a very safe space for me. And so when she broke up with me, like I, I didn't have anyone. And so I, I decided to move to Texas where the rest of my actual family is. Amber was going to, uh, to SAGU, uh, Southwestern, uh, as a God university. Um, and I decided to move and go to the same place. And that's kind of when I picked up again, this whole youth pastor idea. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I had so many, I think I was doing accounting for a while. So I had all these like business credits. So I ended up getting a, a business degree. Um, but then that's when I went to SAGU, I think that's probably when things really started to unravel. Um, because, uh, for one, so the, the, the whole gay thing was a catalyst for questioning, starting to question certain things, but I wouldn't really say it was the reason why I stopped believing, um, it was more so that I started to learn more about the Bible. And I've, I heard this a lot of time on your guys' show. And I think this is probably the predominant reason why a lot of people start to lose their faith or question things is because they learn about the history of the canonization of the, you know, especially the New Testament, but even just the Bible in general. And I think learning all that is just, you start to really, it just starts to break things down. You're like, this, this is so man involved like it's very hard for me to like grasp how god could have controlled this whole process to the degree that we think that he has and so um my ultimate goal though was to figure that out to figure out you know what i believe about the bible but ultimately i wanted to figure that out so i could figure out whether or not my homosexuality was right or wrong you know i needed i needed that kind of solid answer that solid proof and i i knew the first thing i had to do was okay what do i believe about the inerrancy of the bible um, so I can answer that question. Because if I believe it's inerrant, uh, then I have to believe that homosexuality is wrong. You know, there, for me, you know, and I've I've heard this a lot, and I think it's kind of a. I don't, I'm very cautious about trying to argue that the Bible can be used to be pro-gay in any way. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, the words were translated differently or whatever, and I just I, I'm very cautious about that argument because I think as much as we would like to believe that that might be the case, there's, in my mind at least, there's no way that even, you know, people in the first, you know, first century would have accepted gays. You know, like, I don't care if, if they even had a misunderstanding of, of the words that they were writing or, or reading or, or hearing. Um, I just don't see how it could have been viewed in a positive way, even if it were like a monogamous, you know, gay relationship. Mm-hmm. That just wasn't a thing, you know? And I think if it were, it wouldn't have been viewed positively. So um, I'm kind of starting to go off on a little tangent here. <laughs> but, I um, completely agree with you, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, I know tangent. someone who agrees with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think the better argument is really to then focus more on, like, is this Bible inerrant? You know, is this mm-hmm. is is this black and white, as we all like to think that it is, you know? And um, because... It's just not gonna. You're not gonna convince anyone that they they their interpretation is wrong because they can just argue that like, oh, that's your interpretation. 
this mm-hmm. is my interpretation. Yeah. The words that I read, it's saying it's bad, and that's what I'm going to go with. But if you really hone in on the argument of like, okay, well, let's talk more about why this Bible is not, it shouldn't be used in this manner. Uh, I think that really is where you can start to win over some some arguments about uh, whether or not homosexuality is 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 acceptable or not. So, so that's kind of the, the route I took was, okay, I need to figure out what I believe about this Bible. Um, and at the time, I, I moved to Austin. Uh, this is after I graduated high school, or excuse me, college. I moved to Austin to actually start, help start a, a church. Uh, had a good, fr- a close friend. Uh, he was going to bring brought on as the music uh, director. And I kind of like just reached out to the, the guy starting the church and offered up my services. I think I started like designing logos. I was into like some graphic arts back then. And anyways, they brought me on as the communications pastor, uh, you know, whatever that means. But it pretty much was like just get, trying to get people involved and connected. Um, I wasn't ordained at this point, so it was all kind of just by name only. But uh, so I moved to Austin to help start this church plant. And this roommate, uh, this guy that I kind of moved there with, we ended up being roommates, and we kind of took this, uh, had this agreement that we would figure it out because he grew up, he was very much raised in the church. So we had a little bit different upbringings in that regard, um, but he had questions too, and he was, you know, a little bit more reasonable person. And so we kind of like, hey, every week we're going to meet for an hour, we're going to discuss, you know, research that we find about the Bible. Um, and so that's when I started to really dive deep into my research as far as, you know, the canonization of the New Testament. I started reading a lot of uh, Bart Arman's books, which I know you guys have touched on a little bit. Um, I think it's misquoting Jesus, I think, is the book. I get it confused with the, the, con- the counter book written by Christian authors, I think, called Misquoting Truth. But I read both of those books. You know, I, I, I wanted all sides that I could get. And actually, that, that Christian counter to Bart Armand's book is actually what really started to open my eyes to a lot of things because their arguments were just not solid enough. Like, they would make these arguments, and I'm just like, that is a stretch, you know? And so I really couldn't um, believe, you know, I started to, it just started to break down from there. Anyways, You started uh, to pull it, a thread. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and and it's really, it really became super obvious with this roommate because we would, you know, we would kind of play devil's advocate. We would We would come up with our research that we had we looked into, and I was very adamant about doing all this research. And I, I recognized pretty early on, like, I could get him to admit certain things. You know, I would ask questions, like, kind of yes or no questions, and he would answer in the affirmative each time. And if you add all those things together, it's just like, okay, yeah, the Bible's not inerrant. But as soon as it came time to admit that final question, that conclusion, if you will, that you would draw from all these questions, he just couldn't, like, say it. Like, it was just mm-hmm. impossible for him to say and that really opened my eyes to like how uh, powerful this kind of belief system was. And I think him growing up in it probably ingrained in him a little bit even more. But uh, So would but you yeah. say at this point that at, at this point was your, quote, struggle with homosexuality, it was, you, you made it known to, to the people in your life? Um, well, not exactly. So – so my roommate, he was aware, and there was a few other people. I had, like, some mentors who were actually also struggling with mm-hmm. homosexuality in uh, some previous churches that I had attended. Um, and so it kind of came out in that regard. I was 
mentoring with pastors mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and they would help me. It was very much like on the lines of conversion therapy. Yeah. You know, it was very much the mindset of, hey, we're going we're gonna to change you. you Pray know? the gay away. Right, exactly. And I think some of them probably had a little bit more advanced understanding of like, oh, we might not be able to get rid of these attractions, but the actions we can we can change, yeah. you know what I mean? And we can make you happy in a, in a heteronormative yeah. life. Um, and so that was very much the goal. Um, so they knew that in that regard. So they knew that, hey, I was struggling again with, with this. And my roommate knew at the time. But I think he also knew my he, – he knew that was the catalyst, but I think he also knew that I just – I was learning a whole bunch about – about the Bible and, and providing all this kind of research. And so I, I hope at least that he recognized that it wasn't like, you know, it gets very frustrating. And I'm sure you guys probably recognize this, that, you know, some people argue like, Oh, you, you, you got rid of your beliefs so you could you live in sin, you know, <laughs> or you could do this thing that you always wanted to do. And, and that just, that just wasn't the case, you know, like it, it definitely, again, was the catalyst, but it, I wanted to know what was right and what was wrong. And so that was really what started to drive me in that direction. And when I figured out that, hey, I just cannot believe this anymore. Um, and it's a it's a complicated concept because I, for me, I, I, I had known I was gay from just my very earliest memories. I think some people don't understand the hard wiring that a person's orientation is, which it should be easy to understand because even heterosexuals have this hard wiring. It's part of their biological and chemical makeup. It's just simply a part of who you are. I I was gay long before I even thought to act out on the gayness. When you have that truth, when you understand that real, that it's, um, it's part of our reality, right? It's just a part of who we are. And so you're kind of balancing that with, what the Bible says about who you are, mm-hmm. I, it's just this constant, like, it's like you do understand that this is the truth of who I am. I, I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough concept because you're basically having to prove your own humanity. Mm-hmm. You're having to prove that a part of who you are is not wrong, is yeah. not... Yeah inherently evil right and that that is i mean that is huge i mean that really has an impact on your psyche (laughs) you know i mean like your your mental health um and i know we all deal with that in in some respects you know certain habits that we might have or things that we might do that we have been told that aren't good you know for us you know so so so, to some degree we all deal with that but it's just a very unique position to be in to to really grow up thinking like the uncontrollable parts of my like even your like your personality like i know it doesn't make who you are and it doesn't define who you are but it's so ingrained in, like into that personality that it's just, it's very hard to to deal with this idea that that is somehow wrong you know and so okay. but I, I, at the end of the day i i knew based on what the, uh, all the research that i did that it was possible that if i wanted to live this heterosexual life that I could get married to a female and I could, you know, I was fairly positive that I could procreate, you know, and do the things that I had to do to make it, to make it believable, you know? And my thought the whole time was, I I, I grew into this part of my life where I thought, okay, I can, I can acknowledge that I have these attractions, but I just, I can also be happy of, you know, just 
avoiding all of that and living this heteronormative life and I can be happy. And so that, that became my goal eventually. Um, but you know, then all this other stuff got in the way of, of me kind of learning more about what I really believed and, but, but yeah, so it just all started to break down from there. And actually like when I look back on it, it, I came out to Amber first and then my, uh, my mom and dad, um, for real, like the, for real this time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was actually much easier to do than ever, like admitting that I wasn't a Christian, you know, it's so, like this, this idea that, that, uh, you know, um, it's like faddish or the cool thing to like deconstruct. It's, I don't know, we all know this. It's a very difficult thing. You know, it's, it, it's, it's take, it's almost like taking a part of who you are and, and, and realizing that, hey, this is, this is actually the wrong thing. <laughs> this is the thing that doesn't quite fit. Uh, and it's so ingrained into you that, that it's very hard to, that was hard for me to admit. And so it was years before I even had conversations openly with Amber about my belief system. Um, and this was after I'd already come out to her. So, but yeah, uh, so spoiler alert. Yeah. I, I, you know, end up realizing that, Hey, th I can't believe this. And so I, not long after that, I, I came out to Amber. Um, and then my mom and dad, and my <clears throat> it's funny because my mom at that point, um, had gone, went to college, got her degree, and so she was kind of liberalized, if you were, if you will. So a lot had changed as far as her attitude towards uh, that kind of stuff when I came out. And I was 26 or so, 26, almost 27, I think. And this is, I decided to join the Air Force. Um, so I commissioned the Air Force, and this was like right before I was going to leave uh, to officer training school. Um, I was visiting for Christmas, and I waited till the very last day before I, I was going to leave to tell them. And um, but, anyways, they took it very well. My dad kind of didn't know what to say, but my mom, you know, she just kind of looked at me and like she knew. And um, they just, they just both made it both clear that they love me and that you know nothing had changed. And that we're not a very touchy family, you know, Philly family, but certainly like that day that I was leaving, like they were giving me all these hugs. I think trying to really go over the top to make sure make it obvious that you know. They love me. So that whole process went fairly well, I, I think. And um, But yeah, uh, I guess to kind of sum that part of my life up, you know, I still today have this very deep um, interest in religion and Christianity. I still read a lot of Bart Arman. I still read about theology in general. And I try to get all sides of things just because it's so fascinating to me, like to read about all this stuff. Um, and to also do a bit of like formalize my arguments if it ever to come time to, to argue, you know, back in, you know, when Facebook was at its prime, you know, of course <laughs> I was on there, you know, making points and, and arguing to the nth degree, uh, not so much anymore, but, um, but it's just, it's still a, a, a deep uh, fascination that I have with, with, with religion and, but yeah, I think that's. That's pretty much sums that up. I consider myself now an agnostic atheist, which I think, um, oh, what was his name? Um, I think one of your get previous guests, uh, the, the guy who um, also has a podcast. Jake. He, he, Yeah, Jake. Yep. He also described himself that way. Um, so, and I actually heard that. I don't know. I wondered if he kind of got this from uh, um, the comedian. Um, oh, man, his mind, his name is slipping me now. Uh, or uh, Ricky Gervais, you've probably heard of Ricky Gervais, but 
I actually heard a podcast of his, and he's the one that kind of introduced me to that concept of agnostic atheist. So agnostic in the sense of like, none of us can know, you know, the origins of earth or, or human life. So agnostic in that degree, like it's unknown. And then atheist is as far as like not having a, a theism, a belief system. So um, that's how I don't think they're mutually exclusive. And so that's how I would describe myself today. But a much more, um, I'm more certain now of my beliefs or lack of beliefs, if you will, than I ever was with my Christian beliefs, even though it was such a, an important part of my survival, you know, back then to, to believe those things. Um, like my whole, I have, you know, I have tattoo sleeves and my whole left tattoo sleeve is all like sacrilegious like things. So I never would have imagined like getting a Christian tattoo, but I'm so, so firmly settled in my lack of belief that I decided to, to mark my body permanently with <laughs> those <laughs> concepts. Um, and I kind of just use that example just to, I don't know, just to try to reassure people that, you know, hey, I've, I've done my research. I've thought about this to the nth degree and I've really analyzed it. And this is, I, there's no turning back. You know, once you kind of cross that line, once, the, once that sweater starts to unravel, it's very, very difficult to try to put it back together, um, which is, I think, a, a good thing. Jeff, let me ask you a question. Uh, does it, you were at one point very much in the, the world of gay people who believed the, that homosexuality was a sin. Right. And, um, and then, so then advocated from that, right? And, and obviously, there are ministries built around that whole concept. Yeah. Um, homos- you may have been born, this may not be a choice, but it is not God's will for your life. And if you just ha- are right with Jesus, then everything's going to be okay. What are your thoughts on those ministries today? Um, I, I think it's tremendously harmful, um, because, because it's, it's given this perspective that still there's something wrong there that you have to fix in order to be loved by God, you know, to be accepted into heaven and to, to die and not go to hell, you know, all these caveats, like you have to, yeah, we get it. Maybe you were born this way, or maybe this is something that you really can't control. But these things that you can control, i.e., you know, having sex with men or being in a homosexual relationship, like we can control those things, and we need you to do that in order to get the kind of good, uh, the warm fuzzy from us that yeah, you're accepted, you know. And because in the, the day, we all know that it's you know, as much as Christians like to preach that God is the ultimate judge, that's not how it, it pans out in reality. It's it's your your Christian peers who are really looking at you and and ultimately making that kind of decision um, of whether or not you're acceptable or not. So I just I think it's extremely harmful, um, and it almost it it takes it takes like bad aspects from it 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 makes it seem like it's more clinical in a sense of like, okay, we recognize that maybe this is biological to some degree. 
Um, so it, it tries to take on this like mantra of uh, authenticity or, or like uh, science, if you will, um, when we just saw, I kind of know that that's just complete bullshit. And so, I don't know, it's just, I think it's almost somewhat, almost more harmful than just a complete denial that, that, uh, that you can change. Yeah, uh, it's like adding, completely. it kind of adds a validity to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, yep. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, hmm. when you, I know you kind of already talked about where you are today, but I'm just curious, you came out to your family basically the day before you left for the military and you like uh-huh. I guess you were a military kid you said growing up so yep. you probably were around that more but how did your like how did that affect your life going into the military if if it did and yeah, leaving so, behind your faith basically yeah um that's a good question I so I I started thinking about the Air Force um, it wasn't always my goal. Like growing up, I, I didn't, you know, even watching my dad, he was a Marine. Like I never thought, Oh, I want to join the military. Uh, it wasn't until I was a little bit older. And I think part of that drive too, which for better or worse, you know, it, it, it's the truth. <laughs> um, I think part of me too thought that, that was another way that I could, um, make myself more masculine. You know, I, I thought, you know, Oh, I, if I were to join the military, I, you know, I could kind of prove that that side of me um and so that's it started kind of when I was probably the latter years of my Christianity where I started to think about the Air Force and so that's kind of where that part of it came in um and then I kind of stepped away from that idea for a while and then I came out and then I you know dropped all my beliefs um but I still had this desire and at that point I had kind of changed and more morphed into like a, a real sense of service and like hey I want to um but I think a, a st- it, there's always that kind of um, that history that we take with us, you know. And I think a, a big part of me still wanted to feel like I uh, tr- proved myself in some way. Yeah, I had come out to some people when I joined the Air Force. I went back in the closet, it, it kind of, because I just wasn't sure of the atmosphere. This is right after. So I had signed, kind of talked to a recruiter. Don't ask, don't tell was still a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was going in with the mentality of, hey, I would have to hide who I was. Don't ask, don't tell was repealed shortly after I actually started the process. But I decided that I would kind of go back in the closet just because I didn't know what the atmosphere was going to be like. So it took it took a couple of years um, for me to get comfortable with with being myself in that environment. Uh, but then when I, I got through a lot of years of training, uh, flight school and stuff like that, and I um, w- kind of went to my operational squadron where I was like doing the job, and I met some really cool people who... Um, who just made it real easy for me. And then from then on out, it was just like, hey, this is me. And it was very, very easy yeah. to do. So, From what I hear, uh, my brother's military, I grew up in, in a military family. From what I hear, the the outlook on, on, you know, being gay is much different now than it was like in the oh, yeah. 80s and 90s for sure. Is yeah. It, right? And even, yeah, I guess, early I- thousands. Yeah, I think some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, it's kind of mandated, if you will, like, you you can't discriminate and, and people can get into, so, I mean, it actually was, the discrimination part, was, it was still legal up to very recently, um, but the just kind of this, 
you know, it's very PC in the military, especially the Air Force. And, and so, you know, at, at some point people recognize that, hey, I can't get away with kind of talking mm-hmm. in a way that I might have in the past. And so I think some of that mentality is still there, but people are just probably more cognizant mm-hmm. of it, more accepting because they just purely have to be, you right. know. Um, but I would say I've met many people who, um, who it could be, the, you know, they could care less, you know. And, and I've met people, too, that have very conservative ideas, but, you know, we still get along, you know, and that, that's one thing that I really have gleaned from the Air Force is that there's just, you can be, you know, there are all kinds of people who join the military and we can have very differing beliefs, but we can still get along, you know, and so that, that really opened my eyes to like, I guess it, Christians who can still be good people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, and I think because we had this kind of central mission, we had the same mission, and so that, I think it really helps us uh, just, you know, get overlook kind of that stuff that really doesn't matter. So, so the Air Force seems, just from an outsider's perspective, to be pretty <laughs> evangelical friendly. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I would say that, and even like a Mormon friend, like a. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's oddly like I know a lot of um, powerful people that are. Mormon. <laughs> I don't know if that was yeah. just me recognizing that or if there's something more to it there. I wouldn't be surprised, but, um, with how that church op- likes to operate, but, um, but yeah, it is, I would say probably, you know, you, you know, you got some of the more hardcore, like the Marines, that's probably more like a anti-feminine kind of more masculine approach to being anti-gay. Uh, the air force probably is a more like not religious, but, you know, conservative mindset of, you know, just, uh, just having those kind of thoughts that, you know, this is, uh, yeah, not acceptable. But, yeah, it hasn't really, it's not been an issue at all. Uh, I've not had one incident of of feeling out of place or attacked or discriminated against. So That's good. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you talking to us. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for, again, thank you for all you guys do and for, you know, I'm, excited for where this is going and 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 hopefully you guys continue to do it and i know it can't can't be easy either so it it takes a lot of your time and i appreciate that and thank you for having me on yeah we're so glad you traveled all the way from california just to (laughs) (laughs) just to be on the podcast because that's what you do you have to travel just to be remote (laughs) on a podcast (laughs) yeah Yeah, that was really good central time zone yeah of course we appreciate your perspective yeah of course you guys take care and uh, and thanks again. Thanks All right, stay thanks safe out there. Yep. Tell your hi. Bye. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah. So that was uh, that was our conversation with Jeff. Super nice guy. Fun to talk to. Glad he could join us. Good yeah. good story. Yeah. Speaking of joining us, I guess you'll join us if you're if you're still listening <laughs> to this. You'll uh, maybe join us one last time if you dare. No. <laughs> If you dare. We do have one more episode that we will be uh, putting together and sharing with you guys. Just kind of where we look back on just this, you know, journey of creating a podcast and discussing where we are and and what it's like and what we've learned. Yeah. Yeah. How we've grown. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, for sure. So. And we'll talk about, you know, we'll probably talk about more about why we're wrapping up. Right. Why we decided that I can't even remember how many episodes we did, but why that was enough yeah for sure 
but thank you guys thank you for listening and um and thank you for um you know waiting for us you yeah. know uh, podcasts don't put themselves together. We've, that's one thing that we've <laughs> <Yeah>. discovered, <laughs> right? So, um, and sometimes things get busy and, and, and life happens and producing a podcast episode ends up on the back burner. So, so we're really glad that you're listening to this episode in the year 2024. No. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Uh. This interview we did with Jeff seven years ago. Uh, okay. Thank you, guys. See you next time. Bye. All right, bye, everybody. You don't want to stick it. You know I'll stick it right in that soft opening. We only have two episodes. Let's go all out with the innuendo. No one's going to listen to the last one. <laughs>